0: Welcome to the podcast with a purpose with information and content meant to motivate, aspire and inspire you from romance author and host Chamira E. Fleming, but you can call her my welcome to an experience. This is the Purple Charm Experience. Hey, 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 everyone, and welcome again this week for another episode of the Purple Charm Experience. I am so delighted that you're here today, and I hope that you're happy to be here because I'm happy to have you. Um, Thank you so much. Before we even get started, I just want to say thank you for the support. I really appreciate it, it makes me doing these episodes worthwhile. And doing this podcast and in, in, in and of itself worthwhile for me as well. Um, you know, I like to kick every kick every episode off with uh, my quote of the day. It's meant to motivate, aspire and inspire you as well as myself. And I'm a huge advocate for creating your own lane for opportunities to exist when there are when there are none, you know. And that's why I want to share today's my quote of the day by a comedian by the name of Milton Burl, And he says, if opportunity doesn't knock, build a door. So I wanted to to think about that for a minute. You know, why wait for opportunities to come to you? Why should we do that? You know, we often talk about if you don't have seen an opportunity, you shouldn't even wait for it to come to you. You should create your own opportunities. And this quote, I feel like it encourages you and myself to create our own opportunities. And it reminds us that we control what doors are available to us. And we don't have to wait on anyone else. And we should not wait for what we want, I, I, you know, I, I happen to think that you know, we must be organized, properly plan things out, and put action behind the things that we want in life. This is how I conduct myself when it comes to going after certain opportunities um, for me. And I say that because I feel like the key here is to go after what you want, regardless of whether. There is an opportunity or not because eventually that door you created would be what opens and leads you to a bigger, better, and brighter opportunity. You know, oftentimes you have to you have to create the lane for you to be able to exist in. You know, a, a lot of times there's barriers to you being able to um, get to a particular opportunity. Um, and it may take you doing the work, laying the groundwork in order for the opportunity to be revealed. Even if you have to build many doors before a door opens to you, you know, do it. You know, I say all this to say, um, this because we all know the same When a door closes, the Lord opens another one. And sometimes it's the door that was open as a result of the other one being closed that you're supposed to walk through in the first place. So I close the message today, I'm closing by saying that if you build a door, don't be afraid to bust it wide open and walk through to your fullness and your your greatness. You know, be willing to take chances, take risks, in spite of the fact that you don't know what's ahead of you. You don't know what could happen once a door is closed to you. All you can do is just hope for a new opportunity by doing the work, building the door, And making opportunities for yourself happen. You can't wait on anyone else to do it for you. You got to go out there and get it yourself. Because there are plenty of people out here that are willing and able to put in the work. To go against the grain that is willing to not be a part of the status quo. And is going to make it happen regardless of what you tell them can be done. What I say can be done, done or not done, they're going to get it done. And those are the people that get set apart from the rest of the, the playing field. Because they are the ones that rise to the top. They become the cream of the crop. Be the cream of the crop. I hope you enjoyed this message today. And I hope it, it adds value to your life. That it give you some sort of inspiration for you to go out here and be willing to take a chance, be willing to build a door for your opportunities and go out there and win. So today I wanted to talk about, um, my love affair with Downton Abbey. And I wanted to bring up this series because I super enjoyed watching it when it first aired um in the like twenty ten to two thousand and fifteen huge fan of watching it every weekend every Sunday when it came on and um you know it's something about uh period pieces that I really really enjoy watching um I think one of my favorite Um, periods in time for sure is the the Egyptian era for sure um I also love the Victorian era um it's something about it that I feel I don't know it's just a weird connection to it um and I just love like that turn of the century uh 18th century 19th century um uh stories that happen when you know watching stories or reading about stories that are from that time period I just you know it's just something about it that just draws me in and so um even though this this you know this particular series is kind of like it you know starts in 1912 and it is um shortly after the Victorian era I would say you know Is ended. It's at the beginning of the turn of the century, kind of, 10 years in. And um, I don't know, it was something about that time. I love, you know, the European lifestyle from that time, that time. And uh, I, I couldn't help but to fall in love with the with the story back then. And so recently, because I've watched everything, <laughs> I'm a huge uh, TV buff. Um, I watch everything. I tell you, I watch everything. I watch everything. Literally, uh, reality TV, um, dramas, um, sitcoms, um, everything that's on Netflix, everything that's on Amazon Prime. I watch a lot of TV. Um I read too. <laughs> I read a lot too. But um but I justn't I for some reason I I had this desire to go back to Downton Abbey and watch again. And I fell in love all over again. And I wanted to talk about it today because I wanted to, you know, draw a comparison of why and how this series inspires me. Time and time again it over and over I could watch an episode I could watch something from it, and it gives me an idea for a chapter or for a storyline or for something that I'm working on. I literally um watch all all of the um the seasons again, and the other night I literally Woke up at two o'clock in the morning and I had to get this saying, this this beginning uh, piece out of my head because I knew that it would be a great opening to a chapter or to a segment in my third book. Now, I've told you all that I, I have finished the book and I have, but I'm still editing, I'm still cleaning, and I'm going back. And I'm rewriting some things, I'm beefing up some areas, I'm doing some background because I really want this story to be a good one. Like I really want when it drops, that people really, really connect with it. And I want the characters to carry the story well, you know, to the point where you wanna know what's going on behind the scenes with these people and understand their backstories too. So that's where I'm working. But I love Downton Abbey because, you know, like I said, I'm, I've am i been a huge fan of the series and I've watched the series since it first aired in 2010. And although it's no longer on the air, I still enjoy rewatching every old episode. And as I stated before, I began watching the series again as if I was a new to it, like I had never seen it before. And I fell in love all over again. And I, one of the things that I love about it is that it has all the elements a fan of romance love, in my opinion. Um, from the fashion to the romance to the drama, the scandal. It serves as a unique inspiration to me as a writer and as an author. Because it gives me that that juice that I need. You know, if I'm having writer's block or if, like I said, if I just need that extra push to do something different or write something a certain way in my story. And it inspires me as a romance author because of his ability to tell many stories that draws me in as a viewer. So every main main story or side story or backstory makes me want to know more. And it keeps me engaged even to this day. Six years after the show has ended, I find myself trying to write in this manner. And with the ability to, and the goal to draw my readers in to my stories as if they're viewers to a, a series like Downton Abbey. You know, I want them to connect with my stories, like I've connected to a series that I love or a book that I've loved that I love. And you know, I find myself—I always say that—I find myself I can lose myself in the stories, um, the Downton Abbey stories because of the time period. Like I said, it intrigues me. It it is one of my favorites. And I'm curious about the lives of the Granthams and the Crawleys and everyone that have, that come in to their orbit and and engage with them. You know, it makes me curious about how I can create these orbits around my characters to draw, you know, uh, the characters in. What is it about my characters that make people in the story gravitate to them? kind of like you know the granthams it's interesting that you know their family exists within each other but they actually have people that constantly gravitate into their orbit you know in the stories in and out of the you know their lives and i tried to figure out a way that i can you know create that same kind of um Magnet uh, magnetism with my characters. And rewatching watching Downton Abbey gave me some really, really great ideas for making my third novel more juicier, uh, more attractive to read. And like I said, I try to write, you know, I think I've said this before when I talk about my writing style, try to write each chapter as if it's a mini story within you know a mini story within the greater larger storyline of the, the book and also the drama between the characters are juicy and relatable so that's something i enjoy doing i enjoy making my characters seem realistic and you just don't know the number of people who have read my books that come up to, you know talk to me afterwards and they they'll ask are you sure this story wasn't about somebody in your life are you sure this wasn't about somebody you know and to be quite honest you know I don't write about you know I don't use people um that I know as um you know as uh examples for my books I might um based a character off of someone I've seen on a TV show. Like, um, like when I wrote, when I was writing Threes of a Charm, I was watching a lot of reality TV. Like I said, I was watching a lot of uh, a Married to Medicine that was back when it first, you know, came out. And that summer I was watching like the first season of the the show, I believe it was, and also um, the Braxton's Family Values back then and listening to a lot of Tony Braxton, too. And so that story, that that book came about from listening to all that. And um, but no, I've never looked at a friend of mine or a family member or someone I know closely and say, you know what, I'm going to write this story and I'm going to put that that person in this book I'm gonna base this, this person on this person that I know I've never done that before all of my, my characters have been you know pretty much organic I've based Nate on a celebrity you know and then everyone else have been just, just fluid Nate and Violet was based on Prince so that was about it <laughs> and um but everyone else would have been pretty fluid from there. So, um, but Downton Abbey is just one of those those stories for me. It just never gets old. It's one of those shows that I can watch over and over again. I And it's so crazy because I just finished it um, the last episode um, a couple days ago. And I, 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 you know, I was trying to find something else to watch. And... I, I actually watched all of the episodes of Grace and Frankie, the new episodes. If you haven't watched that, please check it out. It's a good show. It's funny. Um and then I went back to it again because I was just like, you know, I need that drama. I need that um it's like a calm. It's a calm a calm uh drama with, you know, everything that I need that I guess isn't I'm not Finding in TV today, and I'm just enjoying reliving those stories again and watching them again, and um, in the process, being becoming more creative in terms of what I want to write next. So, um, that is my love affair with *Downton Abbey*. I love the clothes. You know, um, I have this crazy affinity and love for, uh, tea time and it's caused me to do some research on, you know, the afternoon tea over in Europe and the proper way of, you know, um, of when tea time actually occurs you know people always you know i I will always hear high tea but i learned because of watching the show and then wanting to go and do research on my own that there's a difference between a high tea and um tea time or afternoon tea or low tea there's a, a a difference and if you don't know i advise you you know go check it out read up on it yourself um, but there is a difference, um, and it has to do with, um, the more affluent, <laughs> um, members of society when they had their tea time versus when the working class society would have their tea time, which was referred to high tea at, in the evening. So, um, which I thought was really really interesting and their foods was completely different from what they served during uh, tea time which uh, low tea time afternoon tea which is before um, after lunch before dinner like in the middle of the day where they had you know finger food finger sandwiches uh, pastries, jams, marmalades that kind of thing served um, during tea and it was meant to be a light meal before actual dinner, and the more fluent class of fluent class or members of society had tea time, afternoon tea, um, and there was a distinction of when those those times were and what they served. And I found that quite fascinating. And it's so cool because I remember growing up, my mom used to buy me a tea set because I love tea sets. And I still love tea to this day. My husband bought me a tea set, a Tivana tea set years ago. I still have it. Um, but uh, my mom would buy me a tea set every year um, for Christmas when I was a little girl. And I've always loved tea. Um, tea tea time and tea sets and so when i finally get my my first home that's going to be one of the things i get is a, a tea set that has the traditional um pieces for a um for my tea set and so i'm looking forward to that and so i love that about i love that about this this You know about Downton Abbey, and and of course, like I said, the fashion was just—you know—they were on—they were really on point with that back then, and um, with the wardrobe for that show. And um, yeah, I don't want to drag it on any longer than I have, which I feel like I have, but it is just you know, one of those fun shows that I love to watch. And I just wanted to talk about it today because it has really, really given me some great um, meaty stuff to share when I get ready to drop this third book. So stay tuned. Hey, 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 everyone. So now it's time for one of my favorite parts of the episode. You all know it as my sip of the week. And this part of the episode, I love to share things that I love to sip on, um, such as wine, spirits, cocktails, what have you. I like to share some of my favorites uh, with you. And also, I if you have the ingredients, please feel free to make you a glass or, you know, drink your favorite, um, your favorite sip, especially when we get ready to get to the next portion of the episode when I read uh, an excerpt from the book Three's A Charm. But today, I have a great sip for you. It is one of my favorites. I love to drink this. This particular um, cocktail during the summer months, particularly as we're starting to wind down the summer, and since we're in August and getting ready to go into September, this is typically when I would um, begin drinking this particular sip. Last year, I closed out the summer with this particular this particular cocktail, and it is called. Aperol, the Aperol Spritz. Um, This particular uh, cocktail um, is a classic cocktail. It was very popular during the 1950s, and um, to me, it is, you know, it's one of a really, really cool uh, sip. It has this beautiful um, coral or orange color. Um, it's light and bubbly with hints of citrus and herbs and to me is probably one of the most refreshing mixed drinks of of them all and um, I like it because uh, it's a it's a beautiful drink especially when you um, have it in a a nice tall uh, wine glass Um, I just think it, it just it's, a, it's just a sexy drink you know and um very to me it kind of sophisticated too and um but this drink is uh renowned all over the world um uh, reaching max popularity in, in in the 2000s um and it's an italian cocktail and has been capturing the hearts and minds of its sippers for many many years and if you're like me um, you might have seen this particular drink a couple places because I, when I saw it I was like what is, I wonder what that is and I believe it was, it was on one of the uh, Real Housewives TV shows that I saw it on and I ended up finding the uh, recipe for the for the drink and Um, and made me a glass and I've been hooked ever since and that was maybe a one or last summer I believe it was and so I am sharing this sip with you because I think you will love it and if you do I hope you drop me a line and let me know what you think Um, and uh, in the meantime in between time enjoy your sip and drink responsibly. Hi everyone, so today I have another reading for you and it's going to be from my second book in the Purple Charm series, Three's a Charm. This reading comes from chapter two and it goes a little something like this. The digital numbers on the alarm clock pierce through the darkness like daggers and Monica fixated on them, lying awake and waiting patiently for six o'clock in the morning. Just a few hours earlier, she had heard the slight creaky sound of the bedroom door as it opened and closed before the unfaithful married man without any regard for his wife carefully slipped into bed next to his wife. He'd become a stranger in his own home. But little did he know, the more he behaved in this way, the more she pulled away. Each day, she was losing a little more of the love she had for a man she had once loved deeply, once protected, and once cared so much for. For years, Monica had tolerated his behavior she would always let him charm his way back into her heart now this man was quickly becoming someone Monica felt like she barely even knew Monica arose from the bed ignoring Adam she went through her normal morning routine and dressed for work she didn't worry about the twins because they were old enough to get themselves off to school A beauty in her own right. Monica's appearance was stylish, and she had a quiet confidence. The bombastic sexiness of her astrological sign was something she embodied fully when she was in full alignment with the goodness in her life. This phase of her life was a total contradiction of whom she truly was at heart, and she didn't like always feeling down. I was down, but I'm not out, she thought, as she styled her hair. Dressed in a chevron-textured black pencil skirt with leather waistband and a black blouse with tan polka dots and a black jacket, she felt like her old self. She felt the confident Monica, who didn't give a damn, coming through this morning. I don't have to take this shit from this man. I could do whatever I want for once i'm going to add some spice to my life. he doesn't know who he's messed with so <laughs> I remember writing um, chapter two i began I remember beginning chapter two um, after listening to uh, some of the first tracks some of the initial tracks from Tony Braxton's Sex and Cigarettes album. And then I went to Love Should Have Brought You Home last night. And I remember the feelings that I was feeling um, in writing that particular part of the story because I wanted to embody what it would feel like to be in her shoes, to feel what she was feeling. And I thought about the movie Boomerang and how Halle Berry was pissed off. When um, Eddie Murphy didn't come home and she was like, love should have brought your ass home last night. And all of these things, just, you know, these images of movies or of women that I've seen um, upset with the men in their lives and how they were treating them. And I just took on that feeling to write this part of the story. And allowed myself to be able to feel what Mona could have felt in that moment. And you know, as women, we have our, our issues, and I, I'm not even gonna lie. there have been times even when in my my own marriage, where not my husband have done anything like what Adam has done, but um, which you will find out later. Um, but just being a man, and just, in my opinion, inconsiderate of the fact that, hey, give me a call, let you let me know that you're on your way home or where you are, or you know, and so and it's just little things like that. Cause I feel like <laughs> as women, we constantly tell the men in our lives, just just let me know what's up, let me know what's going on, and. I don't know a woman that hasn't experienced that at some point where uh, the man in her life is just being a dude you know it's not that they don't love you not that they trying to be jerks or, or a-holes at <laughs> it's just that they could be hanging out with their buddies and doing their own thing and they just don't think Hey, let me pick up the phone. They don't think of the things that we think of. And so, um, I wanted, because I knew that there was going to be some, that there's turmoil in this marriage in this book, I knew that I wanted her to feel these things and I wanted the reader to be able to connect with those feelings too. Regardless of whether or not you're going through it or have been through it or anything like that, I wanted you to feel her pain and connect with her. And so I distinctly remember writing this part of the story and it was, you know, um, a very a very cool and enlightening moment to be able to write this because it was almost as if I was writing a movie in a sense. Because um, I was literally able to start seeing these people come alive in front of me as if I'm telling their story, living with them for whatever period of time of the story. And they're telling me how to tell their story to the world. And that's how kind of how <laughs> I view it. When Sometimes when I write the stories as if when I create these characters, they become like living breathing entities in these fictional worlds and it's almost as if they've given me license to be able to tell their stories to the world and I try to do it in such a way that's authentic to them as characters and realistic and, and relatable to the reader who is experiencing their stories so I say that to say I hope that you enjoyed this reading of three's a charm and hearing a little bit of the inside story or backstory to chapter two stay tuned for another reading next week when I share another another piece from this exciting and spicy book guys I just want to say thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the purple charm experience I hope you enjoyed it but in the meantime in between time I hope that you will also take a moment to check out my website www.creativecalforay.com where you can find more information about me my books my merchandise and more also while you're there I hope you you will sign up for my newsletter by subscribing. If you also want to receive exclusive content and merchandise that pertains to this podcast, please sign up for my Patreon page by becoming a member. And finally, if you really enjoy listening to this podcast, please consider sharing with your friends and family. I appreciate it. And they deserve to get this great information too. So, until we meet again, I'll see you next time. Bye.